0: A friend recently gave me a book, it's called The Inner Voice of Love by Henry Nowen. And Nowen describes this book as his secret journal written during the most difficult part of his life from December 1987 to June of 1988. In the introduction he says this, it was a time of extreme anguish during which I wondered Whether I would be able to hold on to my life. Everything came crashing down my self esteem, my energy to work, my sense of being loved, my hope for healing, my trust in God, everything. Here I was, a writer about the spiritual life, known as someone who loves God and gives hope to people, flat on the ground and in total darkness. What had happened? I had come face to face with my own nothingness. It was as if all that had given my life meaning was pulled away and I could see nothing in front of me but a bottomless abyss. I love it when one of the spiritual writers I follow makes sense to me. <laughs> Ruth is now and was more than just a spiritual writer. He was a Roman Catholic priest, a theologian, an educator who finished his life living in and serving the community in Canada called L'Arche, which is a place where men and women who have exceptionalities, mental exceptionalities and other difficulties come together in community to live. His writings are simple. They are elegant, and they are accessible in ways that few people are able to write, my opinion. He has always been a source of inspiration and comfort for me, and in truth, to find him in his struggles is a comfort to me as well. It helps to know that people I respect and admire struggle mightily at times as well. I've been using The Inner Voice of Love, this book, as prompts for meditation and writing as many mornings a week as I can get to it. I read a little bit, I write about it, and then the next day I reread what I wrote and respond to it. It's sort of my own version of Annie's Lectio Divina in a different sort of way. And what's very helpful for me is to see that from one day to the next, there is movement in life, in my life. That assures me time and again that even the most difficult of days do indeed pass. So, as I prepared for this week's worship with these comments, Nowen and John and, and the Gospel, um, Thomas, the story of Thomas and his doubts and Jesus' appearance all converged upon one another. I hadn't planned it, it just happened. The now-in-journal entry that wove its way into this morning's preparation for me was called, Cling to the Promise. In part, it says, you have to close yourself to the outside world so you can enter your own heart and the heart of God through your pain. God will send to you the people with whom you can share your anguish, people who can lead you closer to the true source of love little later, he says, God is faithful to God's promises. And God, and then he closes now and closes with, your faith will heal you. So here are the disciples locked up in this room with the execution by crucifixion of Jesus just days before. They had come face to face with incredible grief, with their own nothingness, Everything had come crashing down. They were fearful. They were afraid they would be next. It would seem that perhaps they too had lost their trust. The pain must have been enormous. They were boxed into that room with nowhere to go. And then Jesus appeared to them. You know, the woman had told the disciples they saw Jesus. Yet they, like Thomas would soon do, doubted the story. Only the women had no doubts. But when Jesus appeared to those disciples, they believed. They received the spirit that he breathed into them by his presence. And they were told that they had that power of forgiveness the power of love, the power of peace, faith, healing. For now they too had seen. We're told that Thomas wasn't there, that he vocally, he's sort of the only one that we get the, the words with, that he vocally refused to accept their story as they had refused to accept the women's story. And of course, eight days later, Jesus appeared to Thomas with the fullness of his presence. And Thomas' statement, better blessings, I'm sorry, Jesus' statement to Thomas that better blessings are in store for those who believe without seeing. John's message, I think, is clear. Have faith. Don't wait to see Jesus. Have faith. Back to now That's sort of what caught me in the last line of the reading from now and was, your faith will heal you. It seemed he was saying that as the disciples did, we too will pass through those times of anguish, fear, and disbelief. It is in those times that God will come to us. Jesus will come to us. The Spirit will come to us. Just as God, Jesus, and Spirit came to the disciples that day in the upper room. It's Easter after all. We're in the Easter time. A friend of mine told me a story the other day. We were talking about dreams. And both of us have recently had people die in our lives. And sometimes they show up in dreams. And and Rick was telling me about a story he dreamt just the night before. That he saw his aunt who had died several years before. And she was walking down this street. And he knew that she was in the next world, whatever that was, and she had this shopping bag. And he said to her, Auntie, where are you going? you go, you doing Christmas shopping? And she said, what? He says, well, you got the shopping bag. Don't you celebrate the holidays? And she said, honey, there's only one holiday. It's Easter here all the time. <laughs> That's a true story. It really was his dream. We're in the Easter time. So I kept thinking about that. I kept thinking about now in closing line, your faith will hear you, heal you. And I started saying, okay, but what faith? Faith in the rules we're given, the words, or faith that transcends the rules and the words. A faith that tells you that God is moving through the wind and the trees and the sea. A faith that quietly comes to you when you lie awake waiting for sleep. Faith that kindled the sanctuary in the light of this Easter candle. Your faith will heal you, heal you. Maybe there's nothing more to say. I accept that. But what is it for which I have faith? What do I have faith in? I really gave that some thought. You know, I have faith that Jesus is and that Jesus is more than I know. I have doubt, too, as Thomas did. And what is affirming to me is that neither his or others' doubt excluded them from being loved and embraced by Jesus. Instead, in all of their doubt, in all of their fear, in all of their anguish and their pain, Jesus came to them to dispel it all. In fact, in this story, everyone who believed did so because Jesus appeared to them or someone they knew. So the question for us to consider is how does this Jesus, this God, this spirit appear to us? We all know the game of telephone, right? Tell the story, one person, the next, the next, the next, and it changes. If we counted a generation as 40 years from today, and we went back to the time of Jesus, and we had firsthand experience from one person who saw Jesus to the next person who saw that person who saw Jesus, and so forth, that would account for 40 to 50 people telling a story from the days when Jesus walked on the earth to the days when we're standing here. If we went to 20-year generations, that would double to almost 100. Yet the further away one goes from this time, and you know, the truth is we only have writings that talk about 100 of the days of Jesus' life in his ministry. The studies that are done say that all of those writings took place somewhere within those three years, but we only have accounts of about 100 days So if along the way something changed as people gathered and they talked about their experiences, well this happened to me, it did really, you know something like that happened to me, maybe that was Jesus, wow I'll bet that was Jesus. The story has movement, the story has spirit, the story has the presence and the appearance of Jesus and God. And if there's a break along the way, maybe the stories get boosted up a little bit. And maybe they get a little bit exuberant and there's some hyperbole and maybe we start to wonder, wait a minute, this is just a little bit too fantastic, this can't be true. And that mind starts to try to analyze things and we question or others question us and they make the doubt seem real. And we start to forget about that experience and, and it starts to hurt a little bit and it feels almost like there's a wound somewhere where that faith and that belief that we had and that trust in that presence in God that we embraced, suddenly, wait a minute, maybe that wasn't real. Could that have not been true? How could this have happened? And we start to question things miraculous in general and we miss it all. And then, of course, we see horrific things happen. And we question the availability and the presence of God even. How could this happen? And we lose touch with faith communities and with one another. And in the busyness of our lives it is easy to lose faith sort of as in now where did I put that stuff? So let me see if I can find this faith. And I look to the scriptures again. I look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. And in this, the writer says, we must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. The word in Greek, parieo, only occurs in Hebrews 2, 1, where it refers to going spiritually adrift, sinning by slipping away from God's anchor. It means to lapse into spiritual defeat, describing how we slowly move away from our moorings in Jesus, in spirit, in God, in whatever you believe that brought you here today. Now, Hebrews was written in 63 AD or CE, so we're only talking about 30 years after Jesus' execution by crucifixion. We think it was written by one of Paul's students, but here we are only 30 days away, and already there's somebody exhorting people, no, 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 don't listen, come on, don't slip away. And we're 2,000 years later talking about the same things. Should we be so surprised by that, that even today we need to work at holding on to our faith? Should we be surprised, in fact, just how miraculous it is that 2,000 years later, this Christian faith is still profound, alive, and involved in this life of ours? Pay careful attention to what we have heard. It's interesting that the writers in Hebrews don't say, pay careful attention to what you have read. Don't pay careful attention to what you have seen, but pay careful attention to what you have heard from one another and from the hearts of one another. I'll ask myself this question. You can ask yourself. When was the last time we spoke from our heart to one another about what we heard about God in our lives, about the presence of Jesus in our lives? We need to listen to one another. I need to listen to you. So I think one of the lessons of Thomas is that hearing from the ears is not enough. Seeing even from the eyes is not enough. Touching with the hands is not enough. There is more deeply inside something that we know. And when we let it in, something we know that is deeply inside causes us to say, as Thomas said, my Lord, my God. And once we express that, or something like it. The self-imposed limits of demands for verification no longer come from anywhere other than that which we, yes, we already know. At the moment that Thomas submitted himself to his faith, he fell to his knees in deep awe and humility. He didn't stop and analyze a thing except to say, my Lord, my God, At that moment, his faith, our faith, was given to us in a different way to be held. His lesson is that even doubt cannot stand in the way of the faith that is there. Listen carefully, please. Listen carefully from deeply inside. Your faith will heal you. Can you hear those words? Faith will heal me. Heal the wounds of doubt and distance. Listen. Listen and you too may hear a voice calling out, my Lord and my God. And perhaps if we listen carefully enough, are open to what our hearts and more are saying, it will stir our faith as well. Doubts will be healed. Faith will heal in ways we cannot even understand. Fear will flee from the sheer force of the face, faith rising within us. So listen. Jesus in our lives now. Listen. God in our lives now. We have the experience to know that. Do not Let anyone take that away from us. Let us embrace it. Let us have faith that these things we know are true. And let it happen. Yes. Let your faith heal you. Let our faith heal us. So that we too may say, My Lord.